of course you have people who send you negative messages. Um, you know, I, I get the typical run of the mill. I'm a sellout or, you know, uncle Tom. <laughs> okay. Okay. You know, at this point, I don't, I don't even, I used to respond. It used to bother me because I would want to change their mind. But some people, you just, you just let it go. You know, you got to focus on the bigger picture. This is episode number 160 with Officer Parker. You're listening to American Snippets, the all-American podcast for those looking to dream bigger, live better, and make an impact. All right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of American Snippets. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Once again, my name is Dave Brown. I'm here with my co-host, Barbara Allen. And before we get into this week's episode, which is an awesome episode, by the way, we have an incredible guest. You're in for a real treat. Uh, We just have a few things we wanted to touch base with, a little housekeeping. Uh, Three things, actually. One is we are changing the date that we release our podcast interviews. So now we're going to be releasing them on Tuesday mornings. So take note of that. Uh, Second, we just launched, finally, our Great American Syndicate. Uh, We've talked about this before, uh, but the Great American Syndicate is for patriotic, freedom-loving, driven Americans who are taking a stand for America and all the core values that this country was founded upon. Uh, Together as a community, we're giving back to veterans, military families, police and first responders, and at-risk youth. Uh, Inside, as a member, you have access to member discounts and perks from companies and, and businesses all across the country, from pizza to hotel rooms to movie tickets uh, to car rentals and, and anything else you can think of in between. Uh, and all you have to do is to check this out. This is an association, a community that we just formed, is go to greatamericansyndicate.com and claim a free t-shirt just for taking a look uh, and checking out the Great American Syndicate. We need more patriots and leaders like you. So we encourage you to join us, be a part of our community and association, help us be the change. Third is we also launched an apparel line uh, called American Snippets Apparel. You can go to americansnippetsapparel.com. We have a lot of awesome pro-America patriotic t-shirts I think you're going to enjoy. Uh, So we would appreciate your support in that as well. So let's get into this week's episode with Officer Parker. Baltimore police officer Gregory Parker captured the country's eye when a news crew caught him on a video running down and capturing a suspect. That video led to a call from the hit TV show Ultra Tag, and from there, Officer Parker's public platform exploded. Today, even as he continues to serve in law enforcement, he is a well-known social media influencer who uses his platform to inspire, encourage, and lead others through challenges. He is passionate about representing the humanity behind the badge a police officer wears and is in, and in today's uh, volatile climate, with so much anger and violence being directed at police officers, he is a much-needed voice of reason. In this episode of American Snippets, Officer Parker opens up about his own tumultuous childhood, the mentor that helped him overcome his past, and how he really feels about his career as a police officer. So without further ado, here is Barbara Allen with Officer Gregory Parker. You're listening to the American Snippets Podcast. We are so excited to have you sit down and, and talk with us today. Officer Parker, as we were just talking before we started to record, this is more relevant now than it was even three years ago when Dave and I started American Snippets, um, knowing that there was divisiveness in the country then and the way it has escalated 
and has exploded and brimming over with a target being law enforcement officers today is horrifying to us. We cannot imagine what it's like for you all who live and work in that community. So we're excited to get into it with you today and look forward to, to connecting some dots between your community and Absolutely. civilians throughout the country. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's go, let's take it back a little bit early in your life today. Obviously you were out there and I spent some quality time digging through your Instagram page yesterday, yeah. uh, <laughs> a couple hours. You got some cute dogs and all that. We're dog people too. Um, so it was interesting for me and fun for me to see the evolution of how you, uh, you know, presented yourself on social media and how you gained traction and the message. You could see you sort of evolving and your purpose and focus and mission dialing in, which was real interesting and real cool to see. So let's take it back even a little bit before that and just talk. I have to ask about, you know, your childhood, where you grew up, what what inspired you to go into the field of law enforcement in the first place? So I, I actually originally uh, I was born in Washington, D.C. Um, I come from a home of six children and unfortunately one parent. You know, there were times where we were homeless and and we I'd seen my dad get into drugs, you know, and just do things that wasn't quite right. You know, uh, there was a point in time where I saw my dad, I witnessed him, um, try to try to kill my mother. You know, there's been times where I've been in car chases with my dad as a little boy, you know, where he crashes into a tree. It was was in Montgomery County police. He crashed into a tree and he bails out and just leaves us there, you know, and your mom had to go to the hospital and stuff like that. But, um, shortly after that, my, uh, my mom and my dad, they separated. And uh, we moved down to Silver Spring, Maryland, where it's where I spent the majority, the later half of my life. And um, I did volunteer firefighting. So I wasn't exactly sure which route I wanted to take. I didn't know if I wanted to be a police officer. I wasn't exactly sure. But around the uh, fire station, there were quite a few officers there. And after talking to them and discussing things with them, that's kind of how I started my mission. I was like, okay, this is this is what I want to do. You know, you grow up around when you when you grow up in a home without that father figure and there's six kids, you know, you don't have that guidance. You don't have that, that thing that, that a young man needs to grow. You know, you don't have that father to take you to these football games and to show you how to interact with other people. So when I was around there, I liked that leadership when I was around the fire station and and talking to the police officers, it's just that brotherhood, that leadership, that, that, trying to continue to inspire each other to do better. And, and that's what really drew me to it is their role models. You know, I look up to them. So that's what drew me originally to become a police officer. Wow. That I, I feel like we could write about five different books on you already. And we've just gotten started. That's, that's just the baseline. <laughs> that's just the baseline. You, you, you have one of those lives. I have to ask, I have six brothers and sisters. Where do you fall in your lineup of siblings? Almost the middle. I have Almost. two younger, two younger siblings and three older siblings. That's so I'm kind of. The th- yeah, I get it. That's where I am. I have a twin brother, a little sister, and everybody else is older. So I'm technically the third youngest as well. So I feel you, man. That's a that's a lot of siblings to have. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is most definitely. Is- yeah, I, I love it though. I love my five brothers yeah. and sisters. It's it's great. It is good, right? It's wild, and sometimes you want to like pummel them, but you're the only one allowed to pummel them, right? If anybody else does, it's on, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, I guess. It's a problem. Exactly. It's, it's, it's always problem. exciting. It's always, a, it's always a party around them. <laughs> you never know what you're going to get. <laughs> yes, I know. That is, that is fun as well. All right. So I love that. I love 
everything you just said about finding that community and that leadership, what was it that, like, how old were you when you made that decision to get into the police department? What were those first steps? Was it just like, oh, I'm going to be a police officer and then go sign the paper and I'm in school and, and all this, probably a little bit more than that. Yeah. So it was originally, <laughs> let's say it was originally like that. It started like that. Uh, I was originally like super excited, super motivated. And I was like, okay, this is going to be easy. I can run. I'm, I'm, I'm semi-fit. You know, I've always been in the gym. So I was like, okay. And I, um, I started applying and, and that's when I found out uh, what, what year was it? Oh man. I've been a police officer since 2016. I applied three years before that. So I would say I started applying back in 2013, 2014. And it just wasn't what I thought it was. I mean, I got denied, you know, for no particular reasons, no, um, nothing with criminal history or anything like that. I've, I've always been clean, but it was just better selected applicants. So I didn't have like that, that college degree. I didn't have the, that ba- bachelor's or that master's degree, you know, and I was just dumbfounded at, at how long the process took, but I, I stayed the course and I continued to push forward. And eventually I got my break in 2000. 15 and on into 2016 with the Baltimore city police department. So it started great. I was motivated from day one, but as the years went on and the denial letters came in, I mean, there were days where I just, I didn't feel like I just didn't want to do it anymore. Yeah. So what were you doing in between all that? You had to work, you had to pay your bills, you had to figure things out. So how were you doing all that? What was your solution to those three years, that gap when you were applying? Uh, I did security positions. I did. Um, I started working in a mall and I kind of just elevated myself more towards the profession from then. So I, I did unarmed security in a mall and uh, I was walking to work every day. It was like three miles one way. And I would just I did that for about six months. And I met somebody at a local grocery store who was an armed security guard. And he was he was telling me, he's like, yeah, I'm actually off duty police. I just do this part time. But this is where you want to start. You know, this is where you want to make your connections. This is where you really want to see. It's not police work, but you're going to encounter some things here. This is where it's going to kind of sort of test you to see if you really want to do this. You know, when when you get into that first scuffle, you get into that first fight or or somebody tries to take your weapon from you. It's happened in the store before. So he's like, this is where you want to start. So I went on to apply for the uh, concealed carry permit because that's what you need to do. Uh, armed security. And I, I eventually got that. And when I say my life went from. Like it changed overnight. I mean, I was at the mall walking every day. I had holes in the bottom of the soles of my shoes. So I was only making seven fifty an hour. Wow. You know, I, I literally had holes in the bottom of my shoes. Yeah. It would rain some days. I'd go to work. My socks would be all wet. And I just, I still have to work. You know, I couldn't quit. And I went from making seven fifty an hour. Uh, the guy got me hired with the company overnight to $25 an hour with armed security and 40 hours a week. So drastically changed. How cool is that? My, my car. I mean, that you met this awesome. person and he just sort of mentored you just like that. Like, that's yeah, freaking that's awesome. exactly what happened. That's exactly what happened. He, he mentored me. He's still, he's still my best friend today. Uh, he mentored me into the security and on into police work. And ever since then, we've been we've been really, really good friends. You know, he showed me a different way and mo- really motivated me and pushed me every day. It was I got I woke up and I got a message to like, keep going. Stay the course. Oh, my it's God. Coming. That's super tell- cool. Yeah. Yeah. And it would be like at times where it, I was just at my lowest point. I was just like, it's just, it's, this it must not be for me. Get that message. Keep going. It's coming. And every day I just pushed and pushed and pushed and eventually went on to uh, become a cop today. 
Awesome. So what was that like then when you get that first day like where you go through everything you have to do and that first day where you are officially a law, law enforcement officer, but after all those years and all that work and go back to that day, what was that like? Graduation day. Yeah. Oh man. I cried. I cried graduation day. I cried the day before and I cried the day after. Um, it wasn't just a badge for me. It wasn't, it's not just a gun, not just a uniform. To me, it was, it was an, it was an important moment in my life that I had been through a lot. You know, I had, I had failed a lot. I had seen a lot of failure from my, my parent, not my parents, just my dad. And for a long time, I was him through that struggle, through, through those days where I couldn't make it. I was going to work and I had these holes in my shoes. When I looked in the mirror, I saw him. No, I didn't see me. So when I graduated, it defined me. It allowed me to see that I could be different, that I didn't have to take that same path that he took, that if I made a different choice in life, I could have a different result, You know that I didn't have to be a victim or a product of something that he did or something that he caused. I could be my own. I could allow my past to change my future. You know what I mean? And, and that's what that's what I felt on that day. I felt me. I was Officer Parker. I wasn't wasn't my dad. wasn't Gregory Parker. I wasn't his son. I was me. You know, for that moment. And that from then on, I was able to truly define who I was because of my choices and because of the hard work that I put in, and not the choices of my father. So I felt ecstatic, just overwhelmed almost, and I, it, it just more motivated than ever because I knew I could do it. I knew that I could make a choice and do it. You know, when you, as I go back to what I said before not having a father in the home, you lack the ability to define yourself. You know, for me, I lack the ability to define myself. My mother didn't have time to always put into all six kids. She had to work, you know, so without him, I didn't know who I was supposed to be. I didn't, nobody showed me. I kind of just wandered through life aimlessly, you know, and in that moment, when I walked across that stage, you know, when I got that, that gun and that badge and it wasn't the work of someone else, it was the work of me it defined who I was. And that from that point on, I was like, no, I can, any obstacle, I'm, I'm going to take it. I can do it. Awesome. So it, it's a life-changing experience, honestly. Not about a badge and a gun, power. It's, just a, it's a life-changing experience. Yeah, that is great. Were your mom and any of your brothers or sisters there on graduation day? Yeah, my mom My mom showed up. Uh, my brother, yeah, my brothers and sisters actually showed up and my mentor showed up, of course. Of course. How That's the best, yep. right? When the people who are most important to you are there for those most important moments. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause it means that they, they believed in you. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. So, and that's about the time I think when I saw your, you know, the social media stuff, when you started to really also get into that fitness, um, path where you started to advocate for those. And now as I talk to you, it becomes even more clearer. Cause one of the questions I had, and one of the things that was on my mind, I'm like, you you put out a lot of you know, motivating, inspirational, hey, move forward, let's do this, you know, where does that come from? Um, you know, some people, obviously, you, you must have like the natural tendency, but also you had that in your life, too. So it's cool to know the backstory, somebody has done that for you. And now it's like you are doing that for all of your social media followers, because you're always out there, like, let's do it, let's push forward, let's not give up your messages. Absolutely. And the repetition of hearing that and seeing that does make a difference. Um, so that first 
few months there that you were on that fitness path, it was obviously you were like back and forth, like, just like you talked here, some days you didn't want to do it. Some days you pushed. So how was that? I mean, were you just like aching sore every day? Cause you had quite a significant physical, you were never like crazy out of shape, but shape or anything. But now it's like, you're, you're a little scary, man. You're <laughs> so like you're like next level now you know so um uh, like how how come how did you stay committed to that path oh man there were times where you're not always going to be committed every day it's about the big picture you know um there are days where you're going to fail but when you see progress that's how you stay motivated and when you hear if you even if you have to tell yourself it every day, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna get up. I'm gonna go to the gym. I'm gonna I'm gonna do this three or four miles. No, I'm not gonna make this decision to eat this food right now because I know that right now in this moment I can't have that, but I can have it next week. If you set these standards and and you hold yourself to these standards, it becomes a lot easier. You're gonna have setbacks. I had setbacks, um, but it's about holding yourself to that standard because you feel good once you accomplish those small goals. You know, you set these small goals. And you meet those standards every day. And when you accomplish that, it allows you to feel good about yourself. And that's how you move forward each day. Yeah. It's about the small steps, the small progression. As you um, walked further into the path of law enforcement and deeper into fitness and became this advocate and the person that you are today and still evolving into, did your circle of people that you surround yourself with change as well? Did you have relationships change with people from like back in the day to, to where you are now, or did they all kind of walk that path with you as well? Um, aside from family, I will say there's one person that's still around. And if you haven't guessed it, that's, <laughs> yep, that's, that's the mentor. What He's is still his around. name? Um, what is his name? Uh, Antonio Green. Antonio Green. Thank you for mentoring yep. Officer Parker. <laughs> <laughs> Literally one of probably one of the best, best guys I've ever met. But um, other than him, yeah. no. Besides family, of course. No, um, I would say nobody really stuck around. But as the time went on and, and you know, my message reached, reached the media and, and on Facebook and the Internet and Instagram, a lot of the people who I went to school with or that I did surround myself with like four or five years ago, they would message me like, hey, is this you? Like, yeah, that's me. Hey, did I just see you on TV? Yeah, that, that's me. But no, they didn't really follow. Then we follow me. And that's, you know, that's okay. Not everybody has the same belief right. system. You know, we don't all have to believe the same thing. But no, he's the only one that's still around. <laughs> yeah, well, I asked that because and anyone listening who has gone through, you know, changes in their life, whether it's a divorce or death or whatever it is when your identity is shifted or changed or you take a different path, it tends to rearrange the relationships you oh, yeah. had in your life. And I get a lot of questions from people or people reaching out to me like, hey, I really, this is what's happened in my life or I want to do this or that, but this person in my life doesn't think I should or doesn't look at me like this or doesn't support me or whatever it is. So that's why I asked that question to to ask you and get your insight. Like how how do you get through when you have to change that relationship with someone that you are close to because it conflicts with your path or or who you are now? So it it's a little more complicated, but I, yeah. no, I'll give you the uh, give you the dry version. It's <laughs> no nobody should ever yeah. hinder a positive change in your life. 
If your identity has to change and it ruffles some feathers, so be it. But it should never, nobody, especially somebody close to you, friends, family, it doesn't matter, coworkers, they should never hinder your successes in life. They should never hinder you from trying to, to acquire whatever it is that you're trying to acquire as long as it's on a positive you know, note. And if they are, then they're not really for you anyway. You know, that that's what I truly believe. If if I love somebody, if somebody's my friend and they're a close friend of mine, I would never want to stop them from trying to pursue something. I would never want to hinder them from trying to achieve their dreams or their goals or whatever it is that they inspire to do. That's not a friend. That's not you may be family, but, you know, I've met people who have better intentions than, you know, blood. So it's not about that. If, if you're not trying to encourage somebody and inspire them to do well and, and help them get to where, wherever they're trying to get to, uh, to get to, then that's not a friend. I mean, that's an acquaintance and acquaintance is come and go. So it, it sounds a little harsh, but it, it's, you can't put your life on hold because if somebody has a, a negative opinion about you, you know, you can't take whatever you're trying to accomplish to your deathbed. That's not, that's not worth it. Yeah. And that's one of the hardest things. And that's why I wanted to ask you just again, to hear that message reinforced from someone like you. It's just, some, those are messages people need to hear. Like we all need to hear over and over because we all have that someone in our life that we hold on to just a little bit longer than we should, because exactly. we can't stand the thought of giving them, you know, it's just, it's just hard to let go of that last like person, but sometimes you got to cut them loose, and then, man. And- yeah. And then when you let go, you look back and you're Boom, like, yes, ah, I should have never done that. You know, but if you get into that process yeah. a little early on, you could save some time. Yes. <laughs> no kidding. I, I could fill a dumpster with all the relationships, I think. <laughs> no. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, you had some kind of accident in a couple of years ago. Was that on a, was that a, riding a motorcycle or something? It was. Maybe oh, yeah. it just didn't register. Oh, okay. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was involved with a uh, pretty bad motorcycle accident. Uh, I don't know what years that was. Might have been 2017, I want to say. 17 or 18. Somewhere. Yeah, I was, um, I, was, I was on the highway. I was on my bike and I was in the uh, far right-hand lane. And in the far right-hand lane, there was a ditch that went down into a, like a house, kind of like a pavement and then somebody's driveway. And there was a truck on the left-hand side, he didn't see me because I was kind of where his front panel was. So he was, I guess he was kind of annoyed by the way he jerked the wheel because I saw it before it hit me. He was kind of annoyed with a slow driver in front of him. So he swung his truck around and go around and I was going 60 miles an hour and he hit me and I went flying off into somebody's yard. However, I had um, a full racing leather suit on, helmet, everything, boots. I mean, I got up, not a single scratch. Oh, crap, man. Took my, I took my helmet off. Dude, like, I could fall down the stairs and break a leg. <laughs> <laughs> At this moment in my life, I could turn yeah. the wrong way in the bed and break a leg. But, you know. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, not a single scratch. Wow. No no wonder. Yeah. You're like, oh, yeah, accident, Blessing. whatever. Okay, we'll just move on from that. I thought, move right move right along. Okay, so now that, um, you know, you're deeply into your path as a law enforcement officer, and you're also out there on social media and you're up there. I mean, a lot of people see your content and absorb your content. What are some of the the blowbacks, good and bad, you get you get from that? I mean, in terms of has it have people in your career, have your colleagues, you know, do they tease you or do they like it or do they like did you get any official like, hey, 
this is how we have to proceed on social media or is it just everybody just does their thing and it didn't really overlap? Uh, mm, I haven't really received any, any negative pushback, um, at least from my colleagues on that end. Of course, you have people who send you negative messages. Um, you know, I, I get the typical run of the mill. I'm a sellout or, you know, Uncle Tom. <laughs> okay. Okay. You know, at this point, I don't, I don't even, I used to respond. It used to bother me because I would want to change their mind. But some people, you just, you just let it go. You know, you got to focus on the bigger picture. Um, but colleagues, a lot of my, um, especially my academy graduates, you know, they're very supportive. Um, they, they like the message that I put out and my, my department has been very supportive. Uh, they've shared quite a few of the things, especially with the, um, the ultimate tag. Um, they've shared quite a few of my things and, um, they've been very, very supportive. You know, I'm not, like I said, I'm more neutral, yeah. but the message is positive, right? You know, whether I explain facts or, you know, person may not like it, but I'm never generally just saying this is completely how it should be. It's the facts and you can make the decision and there's positivity from it. So my message is always straight and narrow and positive. Yeah. That is a very difficult line to walk, by the way. We tried that and (laughs) (laughs) didn't go so well for us. It turns out like when we say, Hey, this is where we see, this is the good thing. This is the vision we see. These are the things we feel are good and powerful. This is where we're going to, we've been called. I should have told you that you were speaking with a, a raging racist and a Taliban supporter and all this, like, these are all the things that I've been told I am, you know, I'm an extremist and all that. So the fact that you are managing to walk that line is way impressive because it's much, much harder than it appears to be in this. Oh, yeah. It's like everywhere you go, there's just powder kegs exploding ar- around you and you have to kind of walk delicately through them even you have to walk delicately but fiercely at the same time <laughs> exactly exactly so, one wrong word and and the world's up in flames you know you got and you might lose your job you got to be very very careful you know i think yeah. i have a lot of my stuff written down in books um not actual books but i have a lot of my stuff written down in notepads and notes on my phone and i revert back to it and i reread and reread and reread just to make sure that this is what I, not only to make sure this is what I truly believe that I'm saying, I'm yeah. not just saying it because they believe it doesn't matter what they believe. This right. is what I believe. And just to make sure that it's I'm giving factual information and I'm leaving with a positive note so they can take it how they want it after that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It so, is an arrow line, though. <laughs> it Seriously. And that's uh, yeah. props to you for for walking that so well. So can you talk a little bit about how has the climate on your job changed has it changed in the past year or six months what's going on in that in that world Uh, in terms um, of community relations and on the job incidents so i think it's done two shifts actually you know i'll give you the vision from from on the ground it's done two shifts the original shift was you know we had the uprisings we had the we had the riots the chaos and we still have that going on you know, it's still lingering. Um, it's still very prominent in some big cities. And that was the initial shift. You know, we, we, we saw something on TV we didn't agree with and, and the world went, went up in flames. And then there was a shift within that shift where people decided to use that movement to cause destruction, chaos, burn, loot, and, and do all the things that have nothing to do with justice. And the second shift, which I've recently noticed, is that People are now not agreeing with this destruction. You have a very small group of people 
who are causing this destruction, the looting, the fires. And, and what the media does is they, they play on that and they make it seem like it's a mass of people. It's not. It's a very small group of people that, that are doing this. And what I've noticed recently, um, especially during work, the second shift are now the people who were being very silent about it at first, being very quiet about it at first, are now saying, no, we don't agree with that. While we don't agree with some of the things the police do, and that's fine, we also don't agree with this. Don't come to our city and do this. You know, so th- there's two shifts and there's two sides right now. You know, you have the side that that is opportunist. You know, they want to burn. They want to steal. They want to use this for their own personal gain. And then you have the side now who was silent, who who was sitting back and saying, well, maybe they're just mad or maybe they, they'll get over this or this will end in a few months. And it hasn't ended. And now they're like, OK, you guys are, need to stop now. This is getting way out of hand and you're doing it for no reason. You know, so there's there's two shifts now. And I'm happy to see the second one, <laughs> to be honest with you. I'm happy to see I, I just I was out yesterday and just people were just like, you know, hey, be safe. And these are people who I've been there for five years in that same um, precinct. And, and I've seen these people, you know, they have never really said anything to me before. And, you know, they come out like, hey, be safe. What's going on? It's crazy. You know, hey, listen, you know, we don't we never really agree with the police around here, but we don't also agree with they're doing. So just, you know, just watch your back and be safe and stuff like that. You're like, OK, you know, people see it now. They're starting to wake up and realize that this is something this could be something far bigger than what we want. This could be the brink of, of, of a civil war. And we don't want that. We don't need that. You know, and, and they're realizing that. And it's it's good to see them wake up no matter what color skin skin they are, what race, they are, what religion, creed, you know, female, male. They're all starting to just say, look, we're we're Americans at the end of this day. We live here and this is not how we want to live our lives. Yeah, that's actually really good for us to hear, too, because just like you said, our perception where we're sitting here, I'm not in law enforcement. I don't have you know a family member now in law enforcement. So I get what I get from from social media, from the news and all that. And it just looks like you guys are under constant assault everywhere you go. And it's really concerning for, like you said, those of us in that second wave who are now like enough, you know, that's like, it's enough. Yeah. is That enough. second you know, wave very, is it's very important. This. Yeah. 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 Well, the media won't cover it, but it's very important. Well, we're coming for you. We're, we got you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're here. So can you um, share something? Obviously you had that foot chase. Let's go there. Let's talk about that one okay. because you had, I see, I saw that 22 seconds of insanity and you ran like the wind, man. That guy had to be like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> I hope Caught it was. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, what was that day like? I think that was in 2018. I think it was October. Yeah, I think it was October 2018. Um, the guy was like selling clothes out of his trunk. I drove past him and I just, I just noticed it. And I was just like, that's a little odd. But as he picked the shirts up, I could see like the little tags, you know, the little sensors on them. Oh. I was like, ah, that's part stolen. So I was like, yeah, let me swing back around. By the time I swung back around, he heard me. I mean, he flew across like a, a busy intersection at 60 miles an hour. And I was able to get the tag, but I let it go. It was just too dangerous. It wasn't worth it. Um, and it came back to a stolen car. So I got off of work and I decided to stay and work overtime. So I'm working overtime. I'm driving around this, uh, in my sector and I noticed the car again. And I'm like, that's the exact same car, exact same tag, exact same model. So I, I ran it again, comes back stolen. This time I was like, oh, now we're not going to let this one go. So I called our um, our aviation unit the helicopter and we followed him, pursued him. I mean, this guy took us on a run. He, he went through the tunnels. He went through at least five or six different precincts. And I, I stayed on him. 
I stayed on him before he um, he made it to the Southwest Precinct. Cry, you saw the video where he tried to squeeze between cars. Terrible yeah. driving. He could have just went on the curb. But <laughs> I think I'll go between these cars instead. Yeah. yeah. I think I was just trying to move between this Jeep here. And he crashes. And then um, I originally thought he had a gun because I saw a lot of movement. And that's where you see me kind of, I'm in my holster just in case, you know, but he takes off. So I, I was like, all right, it's on. You know, you want to run? I'm a, I'm a runner, so we can do that. And I put it away and it was on from there. And I was able to catch him. Cool. Yeah, it was, it was that was great. That was I great. didn't even it was I didn't even notice um I didn't realize that it was on the news helicopter until I woke up the next day because the footage you see is not from our our um aviation it's from it was WBAL or something like that and I woke up the next day and I see all these notifications of people tagging me and I'm just like oh that was that was captured okay that's awesome <laughs> <laughs> that's good I mean it's good when the good stuff gets captured as well right it's it's got to be and that's what we were talking about earlier you know, also is that it seems like the prevailing urge is to share the bad things or the you know the tragedies or the horrible things and you know what we say when people because people will come at us we post back the blue and support the blue and all this and, and it's like you know how could you do that there's such police brutality and all of this and i'm like look I, our view is that everybody is human you know there's good there's bad in every profession and you know, most of yeah. those who are are serving as law enforcement officers are just good, honest, hardworking people who want to get home to their families and have people who love them at home, you know, and you're not going to be perfect. Like, how can anyone be no. perfect? And I can't imagine what it's like to be in a situation where somebody does have a weapon or you think they have a weapon and they're coming at you. I mean, you must have like nanoseconds to, to react and respond. And I mean, what would you like to share to as law enforcement to civilians to kind of keep in mind when we're looking at these videos because a lot of these videos go online this officer pulled me over threatened to rip me out of the car and then you find out later that it was completely edited video or you know <laughs> it was just yeah. not an accurate representation so do you have anything to share with those of us in the civilian community when we're being bombarded with all of these stories and videos absolutely yeah wait wait for the facts um, the facts will tell a whole different story than the cameraman for TV will, you know, or, or that person that's got their phone out. I've been on many scenes myself where I know what happened because I was there. And then I'll see the video circling on the internet later of something that happened and it'll have 15 seconds out of two minutes. You know, they'll get to that point where the officer does have to make an arrest and does have to use force, whatever the force may be, but they fail to show the past two minutes where this guy fought the police, you know, tried to take the police's taser, police's weapon, or crashed into them with a car. And you see that 15 seconds, officers chasing this guy for whatever story they make it out to be. And then there's a use of force. And all of a sudden, there's everything's up in the air. And I'll talk about an incident recently, um, just real quick. This happened, I believe, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And I saw the video and they were rioting. They, they I believe they destroyed the post office, if I'm not mistaken. Um, they attacked the police station. And I saw the video and before I said anything, you know, before I made any judgment call on why they were doing what they were doing, regardless, it's, it's not, it's not appropriate to destroy anybody's property. But right. before I called it, I, I watched the video because I wanted to see what they saw. Lo and behold, you know, this guy comes running out of the house with a knife and police officer shoots him. Police officer tries to run away. And this is what gets me. He tries to run away, turns around and then shoots him. What else did they expect, you know, the cop to do at that point? You yeah. Know? And I, I assume that they started doing all the destruction, the chaos, the riots before they saw the facts. 
and it's very important and imperative to wait for the facts because the headline was white cop shoots black man. And that is the most baiting thing, especially now in these times. You know, you got to be careful with what you see on the internet. Yeah. Do you think there are people who are intentionally sparking these reactions before the facts come out? Like we better hurry up and get this going before everybody realizes that there's more to the story. Like, like you said, opportunists coming in and Hey, yeah, we, we have a window here. We have a window mm-hmm. before uh, the truth comes before, out. Before it doesn't make sense anymore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's there's agitators for sure. For sure. There's definitely, how do they get to these places where this stuff just, like these small events pop up and they're just like there and they're just, they're there within hours and you're just like, how? How does that happen? Yeah. You know? Yeah, there's definitely um, something strange about it. Something yeah. odd about it. I, I've thought about it. You know, I, when I was working during the riots, we would, in the, around the city, they would have, mounds of bricks and i would just think to myself like pallets of bricks like how did they get just there? randomly sitting there yeah these people just bought bricks you know you just go to work 40 <laughs> hours a week and spend your money on bricks from home depot i just i don't get it so yeah. it's definitely some definitely a lot more questions than we have answers right now i know that. i know i don't know that we're gonna get them you had a post recently and that's why i just pulled up on my phone i love this statement and again it's one of the things about you that we loved and, and, you know, uh, appeals to us and why we wanted you. Come on. You posted, this is the first time I've seen hate weaponized so tactfully that it divided a nation within months time. The consistent uncertainty that bears down each day is astounding. Everyone hates each other because the media told them to, we have to do better. I love that you put this out there. What are, and I see you have a giant response from it, which is crazy, right? Like back in the day you started and you just kept going like two, three, and now you have thousands of people, um, you know, consuming your content. What is some of the feedback you get from posting something like this, you know, both virtually and in person? And where does this come from? It's hard to come up and find the words that express what you think without creating room for somebody to take a word and unravel it and change it into something else. Like how much, how much thought do you have to put into all of these before you set them out there as well? Um, so it, it, well, I'm, I'm human. So, uh, you yeah. know, I'm, I'm no. subject to emotions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm subject to fault. I'm subject to feeling sad and down sometimes. And a lot of my messages are inspired by the way I'm feeling, you know, about the world, about what I see, about what I'm, um, I see going on. And that particular message was inspired. I, I believe I had received a, was a message about something that was going on. I, I'd have to go back and check. And I just, I just took a seat and just sat down and just, looked at the world, how it was last year and looked at how it was, you know, today. And we, we, we all wake up with this uncertainty. You know, we turn on our phones, we get on Facebook, we get on the internet and it's just, what is next? You know, and there it is. It's the, here it is. And it's just so uncertain. And it's just, it bears down on us daily because it's constantly in our mind. It's so prominent that it's constantly in the back of our mind. We just don't know what's next, you know, and, and a lot of people are, Unfortunately, they're scared, you know, because your day to day is now it's very uncertain. You don't know if what's going to happen when you go. Is my car going to get destroyed? It's going to get hit with these bricks. Is is the next big incident in my city? Am I the next big YouTube star for some incident I get into on the job? It's just so uncertain. And I try to speak to people's emotions because I know that there's no way that they can't feel or see what I see. And they may not be able to put it into words or explain. So I try my best to do that and give them just a little bit of hope because it gives me hope at the end of the day, speaking and, and putting these messages out there. It motivates me. And then it motivates me 
when I see that it motivates others and inspires others. So the positive feedback I get, you always get negative, but I get a lot more positive than I do negative. That inspires me to continue moving forward because they're hearing it, they're seeing it, they're understanding it, and most importantly, they're feeling it. And, yeah. and if you can touch one or two, that, that's what it is. That's doesn't get any better than that. Yeah. And you had one of your followers. Again, I'm just pulling this up now. Um, mm-hmm. If you're listening, you won't hear this. But if you're watching, you can. You like this one where she created that image of you. Can you see that? I mean, how yeah. how awesome. Did, when you get something like that, that's pretty cool, man. That's neat. That someone <laughs> did this. Yeah. Shannon D. Uh, Shanna dog lover did that. That's her name. On yeah. Instagram. So what is that like? I mean, when somebody just randomly does something so special and unique and, and thoughtful for you. Hopeful. Yeah. Um, it gives me, it's hopeful that somebody decided to, to look at something I posted or something that they thought was, was good or, or feel good and decide to send it, send it to me and makes, you know, just hopeful. It gives me, there's still good people, you know, there's still love in the world. There's still, uh, people still have love in their hearts and just small things like that are constant reminders. So it, it makes me hopeful. You know, there are times, like I said, I'm, I'm not in the greatest mood all the time, hundred percent of the time. I may seem like it, but I'm not, you know, things like that, just encouragement, keep going and keep pushing. And, and we continue to be the light of the world. And I think little good deeds like that continue to push the message. Yeah. Where do you see this all going in the next couple months? let's say leading up to the election, are there, are, is there like a ripple of, Hey, let's get ready for an insane ass couple months. <laughs> or do you like, you know, what is happening out there in the, in the law enforcement world to prepare for this or is nothing happening? Is it just business as usual? I think many are expecting it to blow over. Um, I think that's the big thing, but me, I, I'm exp- I, I think things will get, unfortunately, I hate to say this, especially on an interview, but I think things will get worse. Um, I think that it, it, it will definitely get worse before it gets better. We're at that, that point where we're teetering, you know, left or right. And the pot is eventually just going to, it's going to tip. And I, then I think things will get better and whoever makes it better will be the, obviously the hero, but I, I definitely see things getting worse um, before they get better. There's just so much everybody's on a high seat right now. Everybody's in trying to keep their positions and everybody's doing it for, for votes and appeasement. And, um, in these, in these big cities and even some of the smaller cities now, you know, they're trying to appease rather than keep the people safe. And, um, there's a quote that I have, I made uh, about a year ago and it was that, um, we cannot sacrifice uh, political notoriety for public safety. You know, that's a bill we just can't pay. And unfortunately, we're suffering at the hands of somebody who just wants to keep their political position in these cities. You know, they want to keep where they are in these cities and it's costing, it's costing these cities because there's, there's city leaders are supposed to keep them safe. Right. You know, and if the police do something, they got the podium, they got the lights, they got the cameras, it's, it's game on. But when they got their cities overrun by, by homicide rates through the roof, murders, you know, robberies, there's no camera, there's no lights. But one cop does something and they bring the whole dog and pony show out. Yeah, that's it, right? Yeah, we live in New York, so not the city. We're outside the city, thank God. But, uh, you know, we're close enough where we would go in in the past for meetings or 
days or something, but not anymore. We're just going to stay out here in our little small town and <laughs> play with our dogs and our horses and like let yeah, the city the... do the city's thing. <laughs> I'm I'm almost with you. I'm almost getting ready to go find a mountain and just build a <laughs> cabin up there. <laughs> I know, I know, and it's like it's such a conflict, right? Is that defeatist or is that just realist? Like, what's the what's the the answer there? Um, yeah. to it all. There's something I was just going to ask you and I'm like, my own babbling took me away. So we'll see if it, if it comes back in a minute. <laughs> um, so the social media influencer thing, I, I'm not sure. I think most people don't really start out or a lot of people don't start out like understanding or with the goal of a clear goal of, Hey, I'm going to become an influencer. Certainly some people do and they sign on to become that. But I think the people like you, you know, you signed on and you started doing your thing and got traction and it took its, it's taken you on a, on a different path, but talk to us for a minute about growing that social media following, whether you, that, whether that was your intent or not, when you started, that's where you are now, you are among the social media influencers. So, but back in the day you would post and you just post about random stuff, post about like getting some drinks or getting some wings or breaking up with someone who stalked you on direct TV. I saw that. That was weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, that's a new one. <laughs> <laughs> you know and uh, oh, go ahead <laughs> no that's funny Memories. Um, so, yeah. yeah tell me about it um <laughs> i started i think my my objective was always the same is motivating and trying to motivate people but i would post as you could see random stuff you know it'd be funny videos it'd be you know memes or whatever and i, I started my weight loss journey and i'd post motivation things here and then they get yeah. 10 likes and 12 likes and yeah you know, small things and that was big to me. Right. That was big to me. And I think as the time carried on, as I began, as I told you before, as I began to settle into who I was and to be able to see the importance of me being me without my past interfering, I began to focus. I began to, to have that drive. And that's when I, I did that weight loss um, and I continued to move forward. And that's when my page started to shift. That's when I started to to make that shift from random things to being more people focused to more you can do it, you know, try to motivate them every day because that's what I needed. So that then in turn motivated me to push that message out there. And when I started to give pieces of who I was, that's when my page picked up, when people started to read, oh, this is his life. OK, that's interesting. And it was one post. It was. um I believe it was like 2018. I posted, uh, I, I was, I just gave a, a piece about my life, you know, where I came from, who my dad was, who my mom was. And that post garnished over a hundred and I believe it was over a hundred and like 10,000 shares. Yeah. That's when that message became prominent. And that's when I started to, to push the motivation a little bit more, you know, every now and then you'll see me teeter off and, and give it a little break just to let people absorb and, and breathe a minute, take it yeah. in yeah. Mm -hmm. because something you give too much and they're like, okay, I don't get yes. it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, give them a little break. <laughs> yeah. 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 You, know, you got to post a so, dog picture or a cute dog, which your dogs are cute, by the way. Thank um, you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what is the feedback then I, uh, in your world, like with your family, is it funny for your, like your siblings to see you like you're their little brother, man. And now yeah. you're out there and, and you're Officer Parker. Like, I mean, do they, is there like some sibling make funny? I, I'm asking, you know, obviously I come from that place too. And 
My siblings yeah. don't really get me sometimes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like I'm just their sister, right? But now <laughs> I'm Now you're not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. my older brother, yeah, he's just like, you know, he's he seems very inspired by it, very shocked too at the same time. He's just like, I just remember you when you were you were this and you were that. Yeah, and he's yeah. like, I'm proud of you. You, know, you. you did well. You did well. Okay. And I think that um the rest of them are not really social media tech or savvy or anything okay. like that. They barely watch TV. So my younger brother, he's a computer engineer. My older sister's um in med school, so they don't have time for yeah. Quite the family so, of overachievers, aren't you? We're trying. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever your mom from, put trying. in her special sauce, like she could bottle it and sell it. We'll all feed it, you know, to to all of our kids. My parents would have probably bought it for us too. <laughs> Whatever was in the Similac, it worked. <laughs> Whatever's in the Similac. That's great. That's great. Okay. So as we're moving through, is there anything going on in your world that we haven't touched on that you would really like to to get across to, you know, our community tends to be patriotic. Um, the people who follow us and, you know, and, and go along with our content and and connect and communicate with us are more of the patriotic uh, group. And they're also very concerned about supporting law enforcement officers and doing our best to right this country. But, you know, like you said, it's tipped and we want to like pick it back up and put it back on its path. Uh, so is there anything you can or you want to convey to them or get across from, you know, law enforcement to a community that wants to be out there and support you. Yeah. And, um, it's, it's, a, it's a, again, it's going to be a quote. I, I love quotes. Go. I love, we love it, them it, too. It relays, it relays the message. We'll make um, up a really good meme with you with this quote. So make it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, this isn't mine. This one isn't going right. to be mine, but it's, um, right. how does it go? It's, it's, I'd rather, I'd rather die on my feet than live on my knees. Yeah. And, and that's, that's very important because, you know, a lot of people are scared. I've been told I get, I receive thousands of messages a week. You know, they're scared to show their support. They've removed mm -hmm. their blue line flags. They've removed their American flags at this point from their front yard. You know, they've taken all the, the, their memorabilia off their cars and the stickers off their cars and the vinyls off their cars because they're scared. They don't want their cars to get damaged. And that's why that quote is so important because you shouldn't live your life because of how the world views you. Or how the world views your views, you know. Um, be yourself, you know. We, if, if you support law enforcement, support law enforcement. Don't don't live your life, you know, on your knees. You know, if, if you got to die on your feet, it's America. You know, die on your feet. Be proud. Be prideful because it's America. We we're allowed to do that here. Yeah. We can't let people take over our country and tell us how to feel about one another. No, no. This is America. I'm going to support what I support. And it's going to be in my front lawn. It's going to be on my car. And if you have a problem with that, you know, so be it. You know, we don't have to all agree. We don't all have to, to get along. We don't all have to have the same views. That's not what America is about. That's not what this country is about. You know, it's, it was built off different views. That's how we build our communities. We have different views. We have different perspectives. And that's what makes America, America. So, um, you know, live on your, live on your feet or down your feet if, if that's what it has to be. Love it. Love it. That's, that's what we're doing here. And that's, that's why we brought you on. So, you know, so that we can, uh, hear all the terrible reasons why we shouldn't have had you on and supported you. I can't, I can't wait to get them. I can't, wait. I can't wait to hear that. It's going to be interesting. Most of the people who send, send me the hate messages in particular, I go back to their, their pages. Right. And they have like, you know, they'll tell me that I'm abusing the platform or I shouldn't be posting this or how dare I say that. And then I go back 
and they have like Starbucks and cats on their page and or they're they're private. Like you can't see what they post. I'm like, okay. Like so Or they got like, one picture of something <laughs> that you know that's not theirs and you're like, okay, that's yeah, fine. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. All right. This is this is know? the basis from which you're uh, judging me. It's super interesting, I think. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. So we started this platform a, a few years ago, three years ago, when when we thought that the divisiveness in this country was at its worst. Um, you know, mm. and yes, we thought then like, oh my gosh, this is terrible. We can't wait till this is over. But we were at that point getting tired of being flooded with the negative news and told why we should hate each other and told why we're doomed. And I know from my own personal experience, this country is packed with amazing people and that the opportunities are still there for those of us who want to you know, push past whatever is in our path and however terrible or hard or it is. And that the American dream that my country, or my husband, you know, died defending is alive and well and isn't you know, dead and buried or a myth or an illusion. But we make it very clear to point out that we understand that the American dream is different for everybody. And therein lies the factor that people dispute us on. It's not a cookie cutter version. It's not the white fence. It's not the two and a half kids and the dog in the car or whatever. It's different for everyone, which leads us to always want to ask our guests, what is your own version of the American dream? What does that look like for you? Changing the world. I think that's for me, it's my American dream isn't material things. It's at this point, it's not even so much the job for me. No, it's literally changing the hearts of people. I, I get so much joy now and in, in being able to change a person and, and motivate a person and inspire a person to believe something that they couldn't believe before, you know, it reverts back to my life and not being able to see um, the goal or the mission or the light at the end of the tunnel, but still pushing on every day, believing that it's there because I had who I had in my life. So if I can help others do that, that's to me, that's it. That's the American dream for me right there. And, and I've been living it every day through the trials and understanding and how the world's doesn't know which way it wants to go yet. Um, that's still the dream right there for me. Love it. And if people want to connect with you, follow up with you more and get some of your insight or just tell you what they think of you, um, where, where can they oh, do interesting. <laughs> Where can they do it? I, I, I know I'm making fun of that a little bit. I'm just, I have to, because I've been so stunned at the messages and that are coming into me and that I'm getting like me. So I imagine what you're getting. Um, oh. so, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, where can where can people uh, connect with you? Uh, my Facebook is Officer Parker, and my Instagram is Officer underscore dot Parker G. Excellent. Thank you so very much, A, for all you're doing every day out there in your communities, uh, and thank you for taking the time to sit down and talk with us here on American Snippets. Absolutely, absolutely. Had it. Enjoy every minute of it. I appreciate you guys. All right, everyone, that wraps up another episode of American Snippets. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I'd like to personally thank Officer Parker for being here as well. If you want to learn more about Officer Parker and the awesome things that he's doing to lift our law enforcement up, please head on over to americansnippets.com. Each week, we do a full write-up on every one of our guests. You can re-listen to the podcast interview there, watch the video interview, uh, read the article, and we also include some social media links that you can use to follow 
Officer Parker on social. Uh, I'd like to personally thank Officer Parker for being here and sharing his story. Uh, we love what he is doing. We support all our law enforcement, uh, and we hope you do as well. And if you do, and if you enjoyed this episode, please share this episode with a friend, share it on social media, share it on Facebook, on Instagram. Make sure you tag us at American Snippets. Uh, and if you really enjoyed this episode, and what Officer Parker had to say and all the things that he's he is doing and you in support and you also support our police and law enforcement, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Appreciate you being here today. Now go out there and show the world how exceptional you truly are. Yeah.